It's February 4th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley. I get to host this podcast, and it is my privilege to do so as we're reading through the Bible together. And we're going to start today in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 through chapter 21, verse 21. And remember, we're kind of on a cliffhanger here. The Holy God of the universe is about to show up to sinful Israel. What's going to happen? On the morning of the third day, this is the day God said he was going to arrive, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long and loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord told Moses, Go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord, or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves, so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, Go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priest or the people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord had said. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And now we jump into um, the Ten Commandments. You must have no other God but me. Excuse me. It says you must not have any other God but me. Verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them. 
For God has come in this way to test you, and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourself that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. And do not approach my altar by going up steps. If you do, someone might look under your clothing and see your nakedness. Chapter 21, verse 1. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave, they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year. But his wife and children will still belong to the master. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an owl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she will not be freed at the end of six years as the men are. She, if she does not satisfy her owner, he must allow her to be brought back again. But he is not allowed to sell her to foreigners, since he is the one who broke the contract with her. But if the slave owner arranges for her to marry his son, he may no longer treat her as a slave, but as a daughter. If a man who has married a slave wife takes another wife for himself, he must not neglect the rights of the first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. If he fails in any of these three obligations, she may leave as a free woman without making any payment. I want to pause here just real quick because we're reading about things and you go, oh man, I don't like that. That law is weird. It's talking about slavery, selling women, and what. But what you got to understand is this was written in the ancient world. This was actually so progressive. Um, amazing, actually, uh, what the Israelite people are doing here. Uh, the God of this universe is a God of freedom, and he's actually uh, giving slaves and women rights that they don't have anywhere else in the world at this time. I mean, this is absolutely radical and um, morally unheard of. In fact, this is building the foundation in which the New Testament will take even further. So as you read this and go, I don't like this, you have to have a, a little bit more grace and understanding that what's going on here is absolutely amazing in the scope of the world that it is found in. Verse 12, anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Kidnappers must be put to death. Whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Now, suppose two men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or fist, and the injured person does not die but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the assailant will not be punished, but must compensate his victim for lost wages and provide for his full recovery. If a man beats his male or female slave with a club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. But 
If the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished, since the slave is his property. Moving into the New Testament, and I just want to, uh, as we look back at God arriving, isn't it interesting how the people react before we move into the New Testament? Uh, with fear and trembling. Yeah, it's just yet again, God is more amazing than you can even imagine. And as he shows up, there's such a reverence for him. They're like, Moses, you talk to us. We don't, we're going to die just by hearing the voice of God. Uh, and, and God sets up these boundaries. You know, don't let people come close to me or they'll die. Well, why is that? Because he's holy. He's pure. And sin cannot be in the presence of something uh, that is holy and pure. It, we literally just die. Uh, God is life. Sin is death. So by definition, life cannot be uh, mixed with death. And uh, which leads you and I to question, you know, how could we ever be close to God? Enter Jesus, who comes and lives the sinless life that is worthy to be in the presence of God, and yet he is forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For our sake, so that we might be able to enter the presence of God, dying the death we deserve to die, paving a way, defeating the powers of evil, and beginning the process of setting all things to right, which uh, on the third day when he is resurrected, he proves he is who he says he is, and he proves his power over evil, death, and sin in the grave. And he says, if you trust in me, you can experience that same power. And now for those of us who trust in Christ, we're not waiting one day to be in the presence of God. No, 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 no. We're in the already, but not yet. We still sin. We still live in a world of sin. So there's death. So we can't fully see God. We're not fully in his presence, but we have tastes of it. We have glimpses of it. And we're beginning to see that. We're beginning to see Jesus set things to right in us and in the world around us, through us. He partners with us. And one day we believe Jesus is going to return and fully set all things to right. He's going to be the king who rules over a kingdom in which there is no sin, death, slavery, or anything else of this world that we see as a result of sin. And it's going to be awesome. Moving into the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 13 through 39. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you won't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Burn. A lot of people think Jesus is just, you know, sweet little Jesus. He would never say anything to anybody that would hurt their feelings. For you cross the land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Mm-hmm. Verse 16. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind. For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees. 
First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves, that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law. But you will kill some by crucifixion, and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time, from the murder of the righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, son of Berkiah, whom you killed in the temple, between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That concludes our New Testament reading, moving into the Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Proverbs 7, verse 1. Follow in my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instruction as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. And moving on to our psalm of the day, we'll be reading Psalm 28 in a posture of prayer. This is the 28th psalm, a psalm of David. Verse 1. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help, as I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Lord, thank you for listening to my prayers and the prayers of your people. Verse 3. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, those who speak friendly words to their neighbors while planning evil in their hearts. Give them the punishment they so richly deserve. Measure it out in proportion to their wickedness. Pay them back for all their evil deeds. Give them a taste of what they have done to others. They care nothing for what the Lord has done or for what his hands have made. So he will tear them down and they will never be rebuilt. Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that you hear my prayer. You hear my cry for mercy and you hear the cry for anybody who would repent of their sin and believe in you. Lord, what joy you have filled me with. Moving on to verse 8. The Lord gives his people strength. He is a safe fortress for his anointed king. Save your people. Bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Yes, Lord, be my shepherd. Show me the way. Lord, you're not just here to um, 
save me from a place called hell when I die or uh, Lord just to uh, die for my sins but you sent your son Jesus to come and live a righteous life to show me how I can live you give me your Holy Spirit to empower me to lead me in this life and I pray that you would I pray that you carry me in your arms and I pray the same for my listeners it's in your name I pray amen well thank you for joining me for today's reading hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and I'll see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together